Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two iOS developers. I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer in Wellington, New Zealand. And I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. Join us as we discuss the development code and technology of our journeys. Okay, so this week we thought we would touch on where the Mac is as a platform in terms of software and hardware, Um, especially we thought this is quite fitting as High Sierra is relatively uh, fresh off the press, so it seems like a good time to talk about that as well. Um, Although before we get started, I think we should mention, Dave, you have not installed High Sierra yet, am I correct in saying that? No, I'm not installed on High Sierra, I'm still rocking Sierra. Cool. So do you think... Do you feel any major urge to upgrade to High Sierra, given what you've seen of the feature set? I've not really seen anything that, that kind of pushes me there yet at all, to be honest. Um, it kind of felt to me that, that this was a sort of similar scenario to um, Leopard, Snow Leopard, sort of way back when, you know, in terms yeah. of like, it's it's not a major feature kind of thing. It's it, All the stuff I've sort of seen around High Sierra um, has been mainly around um, just making it better overall sort of under the hood um so there's, there's not been any particular one feature that's really sort of leapt out and made me sort of go yeah i need to install it for that yeah i've i don't know i mean all i've found really from upgrading is that mail now has a split view when it's in full screen so if you double click on a uh, an email you kind of get the compose window slide in from the right and take up 50 percent of your full screen right um which is sure that's fine uh, and the other thing is, is that my Bluetooth devices seem to drop out more regularly. So that's <laughs> kind of <laughs> the only difference I've noticed, really. One kind of not really positive or negative and one negative. Um, I'm, is it noticeably faster? I don't know. I can't really tell. Uh, I, I guess I've been upgraded to APFS through the install. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I know that will bring improvements that you, know, you can't necessarily see. Um. But yeah, I think overall, I I find myself that I I kind of worry now every time I have to upgrade my Mac operating system, rather yeah. than being excited by new features. I find myself thinking like, okay, first of all, what are the new features, and is it worth sort of getting excited about? And second of all, are they going to work properly? Because yep. I I don't know. It it seems like maybe sometimes they don't, um, and it's- I think. I think maybe I worry too much than I need to. I think due due to the importance that the Mac has with me, it's almost like my Mac is too important to be flaky, whereas iOS, to me, is kind of the OS where I don't really be productive. I just kind of mess around. Yeah. So if any OS is going to be flaky, I'd rather it be iOS, but of course Apple can't have that given its popularity. <laughs> um, no, and I think I'm very very similar and that is one of the reasons i've I've not upgraded yet um is that i didn't want to risk you know having my my development machine down for any particular time on any particular issue um i've seen people report things like the sort of window manager flaking out on them and stuff like that so you have windows kind of ghosting or, or not displaying correctly um and i, I suspect that was either with the one of the the sort of last beaters or it's been resolved sort of fairly quickly um on launch because i've not seen so much of it recently but that certainly put me off when it was first launched because that was my yeah. last impression of it yeah i certainly haven't seen any of that which i'm 
kind of thankful for. Um, I I've got it on my uh, my laptop as well, which uh, is still suffering from the GPU kernel panics, which is uh, <laughs> still an ongoing issue. But I I think I'm just going to keep that laptop going as long as I can. Really, I was surprised it got high Sierra at all. I was expecting it to not get anything. I thought I'd be cut off. So I suppose from that point of view, that's good. Um, I did wonder whether the the panics might stop or have or become more regular or less regular. It seems that nothing's changed in that respect, right. which makes me think it's probably a hardware issue. Um, which is again what the support forums seem to indicate. But hey ho, it's um, um, so yeah. That kind of wraps up my thoughts on High Sierra. Really, it hasn't really changed an awful lot. Um, and I think if you're going to install it, essentially you're just exposing yourself to risk for no real reward right now. Um, maybe that's quite a negative way of looking at it, but um, um, yeah, I'm maybe, just looking maybe down, wait for a point one or a point two. And then, yeah, uh, I was going to say I'm just looking down some of the, um, the the sort of feature listings for it, and actually, I, I suspect really with High Sierra, there's an element here of um, of kind of laying down the groundwork, sort of ahead of things. You know, you've got things like the the window manager has been rebuilt in Metal Two. Um, which again would be sort of some of the reasoning for um, for people seeing issues with 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 ghosting and stuff like that as they were sort of ironing out the bugs there. Um, but um, that's that's potentially laying groundwork towards supporting virtual reality and, and supporting external GPUs. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think basically, had my Bluetooth devices not been dropping out, like my trackpad and my keyboard, had they not been dropping out regularly i'd probably be feeling a lot better about this but it's because and it's only one silly little thing really you know my keyboard and trackpad drop out but it's quite an important thing yeah if i'm in the middle of writing some code and it's like suddenly i my yeah the typing stops and i'm still hammering away at the keyboard and then it reconnects and then i'm sort of typing again but several words on from what i thought i was it's really annoying and it takes me out of my flow and i've got stuff and start and it's not good um so I don't know if if this is like a a widespread thing with High Sierra or if, it, if it's just me. It may not even be related to High Sierra for, for all I know. But um, yeah, I think that's probably leaving a bit of a bad taste for me personally. So I'll try not to dwell on that too much, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the hardware announcements beyond like the sort of iMac Pro is imminent, isn't it? Yeah, so the iMac is, well, I mean, we should be seeing that next month or December, really. Given yeah. that said it'd be this year, they're kind of running out of time. Um, did you see the the benchmarks appear on? Uh, is it Geekbench? Okay, what for the iMac Pro? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if there's still some speculation as to whether these are real or not, but there were some benchmarks that appeared on Geekbench from an iMac Pro. Um, I think it was running the eight core Xeon. Okay. Um, and it seemed to be that these were some kind of down-clocked Xeons, I guess, to um, go in the iMac Pro. Um, which kind of got me thinking, why why would you down-clock, really, other than heat? Yeah. I mean, these things are plugged into the wall, so unless you can't get rid of that heat properly, why would you down-clock? So assuming this is all, all correct and that yeah, these uh, benchmarks are real and they are actually sort of downclocked chips from intel yeah why would you not just make a thicker imac pro <laughs> because I, I don't know if maybe 
Apple or myself is missing the point of the word pro, but to me, a pro desktop doesn't matter if it's really thin. Um, it seems like the priorities for the device haven't changed from the consumer-facing iMac. Yeah. Um, and who cares if an iMac's thin anyway? I mean, it's a desktop, so even like the one I'm sat in front of now, if it was two inches thick, I can't even see it. I'm sat in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just seems like it's completely the wrong priority for a regular iMac, even never mind a pro iMac. No, I'd agree, um, totally. Yeah, in the case of your... Your you've got the new 15 inch MacBook Pro, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if if they were to come out next year and be like, we've made it thinner again, I'd be like, good on you, Apple. Well done. You know, laptops important that they're thin and light. Desktops yes. make them as big and chunky as you want. I will be fine with that. Um, because so I, I, the- I want the grunt. If I've got a desktop and it's sat there permanently doing its thing, I I, I want it for the grunt. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's part of the reason I went for an iMac in the first place. Um, you know, is, is for the performance gains. And, you know, even now my three-year-old uh, 5K iMac, which is like the original 5K iMac, the, the, the one I've got, um, even the top-spec MacBook Pro that's just come out still can't keep up with it. It's getting close, but it still hasn't surpassed it three years on. So that that is why I went for a desktop to have that kind of performance three years ago. Um, so it just seems just seems like odd choices are being made especially when when you put the word pro after something when it comes to a a big desktop computer i would think the priorities would shift away from being thin and light um but i guess they haven't and to me that seems like a maybe they've missed a point slightly um Mm. i don't i don't know so you see for me like um like an an imap pro or, or or whatever but the priorities for the device for me would be it has to be silent almost at all times yep um it needs to be great at getting rid of heat and hopefully that would lead to a you know the longevity of the device because when you think about it heat is normally the things that kill computers yep and you know how much are these things five thousand pounds i'm guessing they're going to be five thousand pounds given that they're being listed at five thousand dollars yep again just swap 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 it (laughs) yeah swap the currency symbol (laughs) um so even if you get apple care for three years and then you get some weird heat related issue three and a half years in you spent five grand on this thing like you know you shouldn't be shouldn't be having heat related kind of uh, reliability issues at that point um and i know they've um haven't they kind of re-engineered the internals of the iMac? So obviously it still looks like an iMac, but really inside the... It's kind quite of different, yeah. Quite different indeed compared to the, the iMacs that are currently out now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be watching the iMac Pro really closely because when you think about it, it's almost like this iMac Pro was going to be the Mac Pro because at one time it seemed there wasn't going to be a Mac Pro at all. No, exactly. So this iMac Pro would have been it. Yep. Um, this is what was supposed to replace the Mac Pro. Um, the, the iMac Pro is is the replacement to the the trash can Mac Pro. Um, the, the you know whatever is in the works now for a new Mac Pro um, is kind of the sort of a bit of a zigzag move, I think, in in terms of of Apple have sort of decided okay that they are going to try and do something new um, in the sort of Mac Pro space. Um, but I think the plan always was that the, the iMac Pro was going to be the, the successor 
Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that, that makes me kind of view these machines um, in a different light as well. You know, this is this is the Mac Pro that that we were going to get before Apple kind of backpedaled and decided they were going to still do a Mac Pro. Uh, I'm seriously excited to see what that Mac Pro is going to be. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, the the new the iMac Pro, I think it will be an awesome machine. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near enough value for the amount of money um sort of from my own point of view and my own use there's, there's no way that would be a machine that i would be able to afford to have or want to use right now um but i think they'll be great you know what they what they do but the mac pro is is really capturing my curiosity now uh just sort of yeah, thinking same. about what, what they might be doing i think uh, it's that's going to truly be the machine for pros. Yeah. Um, the way I think about it is almost like the iMac Pro is kind of like an iPad Pro in that there's going to be a lot of non-pros that could end up using it. But I think the Mac Pro is going to truly be the machine for the pro, mm. um, especially with its modular nature that we're hearing about in terms of that it's going to be easy to service and upgrade. Um and that it could potentially not be so limited in its thermal envelope relative to the iMac Pro, sort of being having all that power stuck to the back of essentially an LCD screen in a very thin enclosure. Yep. Um, I don't know. Maybe because the... I mean, they made it quite clear when um, they held that meeting, was it April? Where uh, it was like two or three journalists went out to Apple and had a sit down about the Mac Pro. Yeah. Um, yeah, they said it was a single digit percentage of their Mac sales are Mac Pros. Now that could mean one percent, and it wouldn't surprise me if it is one percent, um, or very close to it. So, given the very, very, very small percentage of users that will actually want this machine and be able to afford this machine, maybe Apple can be can be bolder than it, you know in making this machine because maybe they can make the priorities different from being thin and light and small because this is not going to be a computer for the mainstream in terms of, you know, the way the iMacs and the MacBooks are and to an extent, maybe the iMac pro, um, this is going to be very, very niche. So maybe they can just completely throw out the regular Apple rule book and just come at it with a completely different head on. And if they do that, I'm very excited to see what they what they come up with. So this would be the the truck versus car kind of analogy. Um again, you know, in terms of like most people drive cars, but there are certain times where you, all you want is a big truck. And yeah. I would imagine that the you know, if they do kind of throw that rule book around sort of making really really slim products um out the window and just really go for it with with the Mac Pro, we we could see, like you say, something really quite different. Uh, Certainly for Apple, quite different. Um, I mean, just just make it big. I mean, I think the people, that 1% of people that are going to buy it, they'll be fine with that. I mean, this isn't for consumers. This is for pros who want a powerhouse almost at any cost. So I don't see there's going to be a problem. And given that it's a desktop machine anyway, um, yeah, I don't really think footprint is something that we need to be overly concerned about. Um, again, pros are probably going to be using it at a desk that is set up for professional use. Um, yeah, can accommodate, you know, a big, huge computer that's powerful, and so 
yeah, I, re- I really do hope that that's the lens that Apple comes at it from. I think we could get a really fantastic machine. Almost, you know, almost like we're going to, we could potentially go back to the old kind of cheese grater style Mac as opposed to the trash can. Maybe if they were to not obviously not just recreate the cheese grater and make a cheese grater version too, but just sort of going back to the values that that machine had um, versus the values obviously the trash can had. That was very different. Um, but yeah, super, super excited to see what happens. I, I feel like I'm going to be really excited and I'm never going to buy one, but I really want to see what they make anyway. <laughs> yeah, same here. And I think I'm just thinking again a little bit more inside of, of, of what you were saying there about how they could really sort of go for, um, you know, not not necessarily the cheese grater design, but something that is yeah, big enough to house enough and do enough. Um, it kind of makes me wonder if we could see um, something that sort of fits the the niche as well that the X serve used to serve. Do you oh, remember right. the, okay. um, the, yeah. the servers? Yeah. The rack mount things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if, if you're not going to care so much about aesthetics and it's just, if it's going to be a truck that can just house, um, you know, multiple GPUs, disc arrays and that sort of thing, then you are sort of getting into server territory as well. Um, and it would be interesting if that is also sort of the, the sort of side market to the Mac Pro. Um, like a variant of it. Yeah, or even just a case of, you know, I mean, one of the problems I think with the, um, the cylindrical Mac Pro is it doesn't rack mount. You know, I, I think you can get stuff to sort of let you do that with them. Um, <laughs> <They're> funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Um, you know, so a design that potentially lends itself to being able to be used just as a server, um, and 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 in that sort of environment as well, um, that could potentially open that market up, perhaps to the sort of side of that that one percent, mm. um, you know, into the into those sort of other purposes. I hope that they can make it so it runs cool most of the time even when it's being put under some serious load because i feel like with my imac now um if i was to start doing some video editing or compiling swift or running vms or doing you know pretty much anything that i would consider to be real work the fans spin up yep and first of all i don't find that particularly graceful to be sat there having a computer just whirring at you the whole time and it kind of makes me feel that the computer's struggling almost like it's really being pushed here and it'd be, I worry that maybe the iMacs, the iMac Pro could be kind of in that state quite a lot of the time. So it's all always like working hard and the fans are going constantly, almost like the components are kind of at the being pushed to the upper edge of their kind of thermal limits on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in terms of longevity, that would worry me. But if, you know, when you look at the the old cheese grater Mac Pros, um, for the most part, they run silently, regardless of what they're doing. Um, you can, yeah, it's a pretty safe bet that those components in there are nice and cool and not really uh, being put under too much sort of thermal stress. So I, I would like to see something like that, and I hope the iMac Pro can deliver the same thing. But I suspect, just in the nature of the enclosure it's in and the amount of you know space it has, I I don't know. I don't know I, if they could achieve that. I'd be impressed if they do, but I, I don't think they can with with the components that we know already that are going in there um i don't think those sort of um chips in that titan enclosure are going to be able to to kind of you know run cool while still sort of running 
um intense tasks i, I think they're gonna like you say i think they're gonna run the risk of um of running sort of to the edges of their limits that way quite often yeah i think you're right uh, you're right time will tell yeah speaking of time will tell do you think we're going to see um arm chips in MacBooks anytime soon Hmm. We keep coming back to this one. I know. Um, I, I, th- I feel like at this point it's an inevitability. I'm, I'm torn. Um, every time I feel like it's inevitable, um, there's another kind of nudge the other way, whether that's, you know, a new product comes out and it's still using Intel chips or, um, you know, it, it sort of feels like I'm almost um, kind of wish casting with the arm chips a little bit at times. Um, but I kind of want to see it go that way. I think, like you say, I do think in the longer run, it certainly does feel inevitable. Um, you know, this this would put chip de- the chip design that's going into sort of everything that Apple has um, within their control. And that could be really quite cool. You know, the sort of speeds that we're currently seeing arm chips run at in ipad pro in the new iphones um it certainly sort of feels like apple are going to be able to get some serious sort of power out of arm chips as time goes on um that they could sort of repurpose back into into the mac um so yeah i don't know i don't know when we're going to see it um do you do you think we're going to see it soon I don't know. I mean, Microsoft. Are, um, I saw a thing the other day that they're they're experimenting with ARM chips in some laptops that they're running, and apparently they're getting multi-day battery life. Right. I mean, that's pretty good going, right? And I think, I think they're using some kind of VM to make Windows run on the ARM chip. I don't think they've like recompiled it. Oh wow, that's that's um, really quite powerful. So um, I'd need to double check the details on that to be sure. Um, but imagine if Apple were to make OS ten for ARM sort of pure and yeah given the advantage they have of doing the software and the hardware and all the all the tricks they can pull i mean that, that surely you're going to see some incredible battery life if that were the case and then like you were saying earlier the the, the speed that the a11 runs at on the uh, you know the iphone 8 and 10 is incredible i mean it's beating macbook pros or not beating MacBook Pro. yeah they are beating MacBook pros in benchmarks i know they're synthetic benchmarks and you know you should, it's not like like for like but it's impressive that a chip in a phone can do that, that has got no fan and is in a really small thermal envelope, you know, i.e. a small phone relative to a big MacBook. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not as simple as just stacking up loads of A11s and whacking them in a MacBook and calling it done. There's, there's more to <laughs> it than that. But, I mean, it, it shows promise, right? Serious, serious yeah. promise. Yeah, in terms of performance much. and potential battery life. Um, and, and, you know, putting aside what that could do to the, um, the sort of software side of things, because I know there's a whole sort of thing there as well, that if we converge on similar chips, does that mean the, that Mac OS starts to converge uh, with iOS, which could be, you know, we, we, we could probably talk at length about the possibilities there for, um, in, in another show. But um, putting that to one side, just, um, yeah, having having those chips running um in a sort of multiple setup I, I kind of feel like if you've got if you've got um chips that are running that fast when they're already in quite a constrained environment um 
yeah, it may not be as simple as just sort of whacking a load of them together and, and just, just that that's it. Um, but it does sort of feel to me like there is potential there in terms of what a cluster of them could do. Um, and that could be really quite interesting in terms of, of a sort of Mac Pro type of device as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was thinking about it. It seems like an odd time to be sort of MacBook shopping right now. Um because obviously I still keep half an eye on it. I'm, uh, I was even considering selling my desktop at one point and upgrading to a like a MacBook like you have um, for a variety of reasons. And I'm still not sure what I'm going to do. But it just seems like an odd time to be MacBook shopping because first of all you got the Touch Bar, yeah, and you know it seems that opinions are split on that as to whether it's actually useful or whether it's just a fad. Then you've got the the keyboard issues that you keep hearing about. Then there's all the things surrounding USB-C of like people being dissatisfied with it. And then, of course, it has Touch ID on the MacBook Pros with the Touch Bar. Yeah. But now, of course, we've just seen Face ID in the iPhone X. So it's like, well, wouldn't Face ID be better? Yeah. Um, I, just I on the whole, it kind of it kind of feels like buying a diesel car in the wake of electric vehicles just about to sort of take <laughs> over. So I don't know if you're sort of hearing it in the news, given that now you've moved to New Zealand, but there's a lot of it in the, in the media here now in the UK that sort of diesel cars are going to be banned by 20-something, 2030, 2040. I can't remember the date. Yeah. Um, and all the manufacturers like Range Rover and Jaguar and lots of car manufacturers um, are coming out saying, yeah, we're not going to build diesel engines past this date. So it's kind of like, yeah, diesel is going to be finished at one wow. point or another pretty damn soon. Um, and they're all going to, make electric versions or variants of all of their models and it almost feels like we're in a similar situation with the macbooks yeah just sort of that on there's that, a lot on the yeah. edge of a bigger change sort of on its way yeah maybe it just feels like it all needs a couple of years maybe just to level out um and a couple of years when you're spending that kind of money on these devices i mean if i wanted a, a macbook pro spec'd up to be relatively competitive to my imac i'm going to be looking at nearly Two thousand seven hundred pounds, I think. Yep. Uh, so, do I really want to be dropping that sort of money when it feels like we're just on the cusp of something? Yeah, when um, when pound for pound, you, you're you know almost literally not seeing a massive improvement over what you've already got on your desk. Um, with, oh, I'd be going backwards. Yeah. In terms of like raw numbers, I would be going backwards. So I'd be paying to have a less powerful machine, but it would be more flexible. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'll just get a Mac Mini, <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole other subject. Um, I Apparently, don't know if, it's not dead. Yeah, I was going to say, have you seen seen that? Obviously, you have. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm quite pleased about that. I like the Mac Mini. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tim Cook sent an email to some guy, didn't he? Saying uh, it's it's an important part of their lineup, and it's they got plans or something, but no details today. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I um we've we've ran a Mac Mini in our house now in one form or another um for probably about the last ten years, actually thinking about it. Um really? yeah, I had one as my main machine for for a while. Um and then after I sort of migrated off of that, um the Mac Mini sort of became the, the, the computer that my kids have used um for sort of desktop computing. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we upgraded it, um, probably about getting off for four years ago now. 
um, and that machine is still trucking. Um, we, we swapped its hard disk out for an SSD, um, gave it a bit more RAM, because uh, you could. It was one of the last models where you could upgrade the, the RAM. Um, and, um, yeah, so so we've we've had a Mac Mini for quite a while. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hopeful, actually, that they do keep the Mac Mini up, upgraded and, and up to date, because it's been, is it uh, 2014? when it was last updated. Yeah. Yeah, there's someone posted on Twitter the other day the amount of people that have been born in the world since the last <laughs> Mac Mini update. There's <laughs> like hundreds of million. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a dramatic view there, but um, yeah. Um, it it would be cool. Times. Yeah, no, it'd be cool if it does um, get a bit of love. And I kind of, sort of circling back to what we, we were discussing about the ARM chips... Um, I do kind of wonder whether they could even end up trialing them on the Mac Mini. Um, yes, sort of initial, point. you know, toe in the water sort of thing. Um, and I guess at that point, there's there's not an awful lot really separating a Mac Mini from a, a sort of souped up Apple TV. Uh, no, so that 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 could be kind of interesting. You might get your cube yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Essentially, a couple of Apple TVs stacked on top of each other. <laughs> okay, that's a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it would be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes, or if you're an Overcast user, if you could recommend us by hitting that star button, it would be much appreciated. Um, just another quick reminder that we have our Slack channel, and we'd love to invite you to join. Um, we hope it could be a really cool place for developers to come and get to know each other. If you'd like to join, there will be instructions in the show notes, or the best way is just to reach out to us on Twitter at WFR Podcast, and we'll get you signed up. So before we run off, Dave, where can people find your work? Um, you can find my apps at roboheads.com. That's roboheads with a Z. And you can find me on Twitter at DWRoboheads. How about you, Dave? Uh, yeah, on Twitter, I am at underscore Dave Dot. You can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com. And my app to help kids learn to read is at spacereaders.com. <laughs>